Welcome to the Maharatcast. My name is Rabarimi Smith. I am your host and producer. And I'm here today with Jen Vig, who's the Director of Community Engagement and Alumni Relations at Yeshivat Maharat. This podcast is a product of many pitches, discussions, and revisions. It's over a year in the making, and it came to fruition as a partnership between me and Jen. So I thought, what better way to start this journey than have both of us talk about how it came to be and what you can look forward to in this series. Jen, welcome to the Maharat cast. Thanks for welcoming me. You're kind of our first guest, even though this isn't technically our first episode. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here. You're, you're the Director of Community Engagement and Alumni Relations. Can you explain to me a little bit about what that means? Sure. So um, there's two real components of the work that I do. And, and truthfully, I was hired to be the Director of Community Engagement. And that means all the outward-facing elements of the yeshiva. So events, marketing, social media, communications, scholar-in-residence opportunities, all the things that send the Torah of, of Maharat out into the world. And what we quickly realized in this new position three years ago was that the main way that our Torah was getting out into the world was through our alumni. And so we realized very quickly with that our growing population of alumni, now we have 43 um, alumni out in the field as of February 2021. Um, we needed to be investing a lot more of our energy in supporting those alumni and building up meaningful professional development opportunities and opportunities for ongoing learning together and out in the world for them to be able to teach and speak. And um, that is really my role is the one-on-one -on -one communication with our alumni and um, supporting them in the work that they're doing and making sure that they have the resources and the cohort and the love, quite frankly, that we, we, are committed to sharing with them. How did you hear about the yeshiva to begin with? I love that question. Um, so I, I heard about the yeshiva when it was first founded. I happened to be like at an event where Rabbi Sar was speaking, but it was not like a major feature of my life. And then I trained with Immerse NYC maybe five years ago um, to be a mikvah guide and Rabbi Melissa, she was not yet Rabbi, Pre-Rabbi Melissa Skolting Gutierrez was my chevruta for Immerse, and not yet Rabbi Dasi Fruchter was running all of the trainings. So they were really my first connections with Maharat folks. And then three and a half years ago or so, I did a fellowship with UJA, and it was very much about like aligning your personal vision and your professional life. And a few weeks after I did one of the workshops there, this job got posted, and I sort of put down, put the piece of paper where I'd written up my like personal professional vision next to the job description for this job, and it was like two strangely aligned and so I wrote to I texted Melissa and Rabbi Melissa and Rabbi Dasi and I said do you think I should like apply for this job and you have to apply for the job and so I interviewed for the job seven and a half months pregnant and with a job that I couldn't leave in the middle of the school year and I was totally transparent about that in the first phone calls and they said well babies are a thing that we do here <laughs> we are quite familiar and and we you know if this is the right match we'll work with you and ultimately it was and I was able to 
you know, finish out the school year part-time in my previous position, start here, um, have a baby, go on maternity leave six weeks after I started the job for six weeks, then come back. And it's been a whirlwind of growth and learning since then. You started this job three years ago, and it was about two years ago that I pitched the podcast to you. Um, right. So we had, we knew pretty early on that podcasting was a genre that we like wanted to get into. And the real question was, what was our subject matter that was going to be added value and meaningful to the listenership of the world? Yeah. And I think, I mean, it took a few years and a few, I mean, many, many conversations for us to pinpoint exactly the story that we want to tell as Yeshiva and also as graduates of the yeshiva. And I'm very grateful because I think I had a really clear vision for this when I first pitched it two years ago. I knew exactly the story that I wanted to tell and was convinced it was the right time to tell it. Um, And I'm really grateful that I was kind of pushed to go back to the drawing board and figure out a different story because I think the story that we're ultimately telling in these episodes is much more personal and much more relatable to the listeners. I think it's a, a little bit less about the yeshiva and more about the people who make up the yeshiva. And I'm so grateful that I get to be the one to kind of bring these stories of the people that I know and that I love and that I've known for years, but bring it to a completely new group of people who don't know them on a personal level. hundred percent. I mean, you know, when we started, it was like, should we, you know, be doing some sort of like teaching text kind of podcast? Should it be like the background of the Shiva? And I think what you said is really powerful and aligned with, you know, exactly the way that my position has even evolved, right? We understand that the face of Yeshiva Maharad is not, you know, that pretty leafy M logo that we put on everything. But in fact, the face of Yeshiva Maharad is 43 graduates and the 60 some odd students who are learning in our different programs. And if we can share all of your passions and Torah and excitement with the world, then that is the success and that we're looking for. One of the things that I think was really helpful for us when we were going through and figuring out what the podcast is, was deciding what the podcast isn't. It's, it's, not, it's not a multiple episode long um, advertisement for the yeshiva. It's not a recruiting tool. It's, it's none of those. It's really a way for people to kind of see past the, the leader as a person on a pedestal and be able to see the person as a human with unique passions. And I think one of the things that makes Maharat especially unique is that the students and the graduates come from such interesting backgrounds. Many of the students who started as a second or third career um, have had these just fascinating backgrounds in fields like high tech or the culinary world or bioethics or whatever it is. Um, lawyers, they, lots of lawyers. <laughs> lawyers, um, doctors. It's really fascinating to just see that there are all these different passions that kind of led everyone to the same place. And I wanted to highlight those passions to create kind of a more vivid picture of who they are. And then in doing that, create a more colorful picture of what the yeshiva is. Yeah. And I think that's actually a really interesting statement about the rabbinate in general, 
that I think, you know, 200 years ago, maybe even 100 years ago, like rabbis were teachers and counselors and like halachic decisors, right? Like that was really the roles. And now we see like the rabbinate as a, a place where people can you know, work through social justice questions and be there for people in hospitals. And there's like, the the rabbinate is much more expansive, I think, than just the traditional synagogue role, which is a powerful role and has many facets to it. But I think we see with our graduates that they've been able to take their passions and turn those passions into careers that are charged by the education that they got. I think it is what makes Maharat unique. Women could not have seen themselves in this role up until recently, and so they were forced to imagine themselves in a different role and pursue other passions. And now that Maharat exists, they're able to bring those existing passions that they fostered into the yeshiva, and I think it makes the yeshiva such a dynamic place. I mean, the fact that, like, the fact that I, you know, took a, a little break from yeshiva to work at a shark lab because that was a passion that I had built up over, I don't know, 15 years before I came to the yeshiva. Um, the fact that Alyssa still was working in chaplaincy while she was in yeshiva because her passion, amongst many things, her passion is hospice and helping people and bringing God into end-of-life care. I think that is really, really unique to the yeshiva. And the truth is that I think that that's why someone would want to listen to this podcast in the first place. Like, I think that there are people who, you know, are curious about women in leadership and what that look like, women in Orthodox Jewish leadership and that, and what that looks like. And like, those people will find that insight in this podcast. I think there are people who are curious about the, like, changing faces of the rabbinate. And I think that those people will find something that's interesting in this podcast. I think there are people who have really deep passions about sort of the hot button issues of our society right now. And those people will find something interesting in this podcast. And that's what I think is really exciting about where we landed in terms of topics. I agree. And I, I also think for young girls growing up, you know, when I was growing up, I, I knew I loved Torah and I knew I loved teaching, but I didn't see myself in any of my teachers. And to be able to see such a diverse range of interests and passions and expertise, I think it will hopefully allow so many more people to see themselves as people who have the potential to pursue this. Um, just because you're passionate about something that seems completely unrelated to the rabbinate or to spiritual care, whatever it is, it doesn't mean that this still can't be a part of your life. We don't have to just be one thing and we don't have to just look like one thing to be a rabbi. We can look like any number of things and we can be interested in any number of things. So I, I hope that, I really hope people get that from this podcast as well. And I, I just wanted to share a couple of anecdotes because yesterday I was speaking with someone who said that his, his four-year-old daughter said to him, Abba, when I'm a rabbi, I'm going to stand on the bima and I'm going to stand maybe in the middle and not on the side. Like not even if I become a rabbi, it's when I become. And that I think is the power of my rat as well, is that exactly what you're saying that young young people, girls and boys alike, by the way, this is not just a role modeling for the girls situation, but our children's generation is growing up with Orthodox female leadership as a given. And that is so powerful. Um, I remember talking to some of our, like, like, they're now in college, right? The people who are in college or the people who were around bat mitzvah age when, when or graduating from college or were around bat mitzvah age when Marat was founded, when Rabbi Sarah was ordained. And those young women, like a number of them have said they like literally printed the newspaper article and like pinned it to their bulletin board. And they were like looking up at the story of Rabbi Sarah's ordination as they were preparing for their bat mitzvah lessons. Like that is crazy powerful stuff. And to role model the, the diversity of both backgrounds, interests, passions, and like abilities and all the different like capabilities. 
like that our our students and graduates exhibit like that's so awesome i remember at my graduation i was so nervous about my speech i'm generally not a nervous public speaker at all but i was so nervous about my speech and i was practicing practicing it and and you know going over to my head and then at one point these two high school girls ran up to me and they were so excited to be at a Maharat graduation and it was like as if they had baseball cards with all of our faces on it because they knew who everyone was it was incredible they they've studied the website they want to be maharats when they're older I, you know i never i never felt like i could see myself in my leadership so i i really hope that those girls could see themselves in me and i hope the girls that can't see themselves in me can see themselves in all of the other amazing women that we're going to have on this podcast for girls who want to be doctors, who work in bioethics or law or coaching or whatever it is. Those skills all are important parts of what make us who we are and what makes us who we are is a really big part of what makes us the leaders we are. Can you tell me how you're how you brought your background to your avenue? Because you have a very um, eclectic background. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess introducing my background is important for the podcast. So my background is uh, pre-Maharat is media. I had like a very normative Orthodox upbringing in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I started learning Gemara in like sixth or seventh grade at Fuchs Mizrahi School. Then I went to Migdal Oz and then I went to Stern. And I mean, from when I was in high school, I had always loved writing and I, and I kind of knew that I wanted to go in like a media direction, thinking it was going to be writing or production. In college, I studied TV writing, sitcom writing. That's what my degree is in, NPR. And my last year in college, I was doing first an internship and then just kind of freelance work um, at a late night show. And I absolutely loved it. I felt like I finally found a lot of my people. I decided that after I finished college, I was going to take a year off to learn. So I was looking for learning programs, but at the same time, interviewing for all these different late night shows and daytime talk shows thinking, you know, whichever one pans out first is what I'm going to take. I called Rabbi Weiss because he's a a close family friend and has been since I was like three. I kind of knew that I wanted to learn Maharat, but I didn't want to be a formal student. I just wanted to be around like a high level of learning with women who I thought were doing this incredible work. I asked him if he thought that it would be possible for me to go for a year. And he said he hasn't think that it would be a problem. This program was so small, there were like six of us then. And so I had to test in. Um, I tested in, I had a test with Rev Jeff. I signed up and it was like kind of a similar feeling like, oh my God, these are my people. Um, But it was a much more holistic version of that feeling because people were so diverse and interesting and didn't fit in a box. I felt like they really understood me because I felt like I didn't fit in a box. I will say they had no idea what to do with me. I said I was there as a one-year student. All these women were risking their careers for this unknown thing that had no graduating class had happened yet. They had no idea if they were going to have jobs. And I just waltzed in and was like, I want to learn with you. And then within six weeks, I sat down with Reb Jeff and I said, what would it look like if I decided to finish, but I'm going to finish like two years full-time and then I'll do the rest part-time. That's it. I'm going to be over two years and I'll finish remotely. And he knew, and he, it's, I think he knew, he knew when we, he interviewed me, he knew when we, you know, when we had that talk that I was never going to leave. Um, <laughs> I still haven't left. Um, and I decided that I was going to 
kind of make my niche there religion and media, which has been incredible. Had I not been in Maharat, I would have never been able to host and produce The Joy of Text for three years, which is a podcast about Judaism and sexuality with uh, Rabbi Dovlinzer and Dr. Batshev Marcus, which was like a huge experience for me. I mean, I think we, I, I don't think we realized that it would be successful and our first episode had like 14,000 listeners or something crazy like that. It kind of shot me into this world of Jewish media. And then I went to Aleph Beta and I was their executive producer for a year, which was also amazing to be able to navigate media, but stay in the world of Torah. So this is kind of just like an extension of that. You know, like I said, the yeshiva can't get rid of me. So I feel really lucky that the yeshiva has trusted me with this project. I really feel so passionate about this project. It's the the first media project that I've kind of taken on pretty much completely on my own. Um, I'm hosting it, I'm producing it, I'm editing it, and it's been a huge learning experience for me on a technical level and on an emotional level, but also I feel like I've really gotten to see my friends in a completely new light. And the respect that I had for them is just so much greater after being able to sit down and, and interview them. I'm hoping that the love that I feel for the people in this institution is something that I can share with everyone who listens to. That's that's kind of been the goal the whole time. This episode is sponsored by Get Out UK. One of the best parts about producing a podcast is that you get to have your organization sponsor the very first episode. I co-founded Get Out UK with a friend, Rifka Mayer, who was waiting for her get for almost 10 years here in London. Thank God she has since gotten her get. But in the meantime, we founded this organization, which is the only one in the United Kingdom exclusively helping Agunotes, people who are being denied their religious divorces. We offer emotional, financial, and legal support. And one of the more exciting things that we've been working on recently is getting get refusal to be acknowledged by the law here as a form of domestic abuse. We've been working with an incredible team from the House of Lords, members of Parliament, Jewish Women's Aid, who's an incredible organization who works with victims of domestic violence, and many other people trying to get the law in the United Kingdom to protect Agunots. To learn more about the exciting work we're doing, visit us at getoutuk.org, G-E-T-T-O-U-T, uk.org and follow us on Instagram, which is where we post a lot of information about current cases in the UK and all over the world and is a great place to get more educated about this important issue. Reverini, what kinds of things are you going to be, are we going to be exploring in this podcast? I'm so psyched. Okay, so one of the hard things about this podcast was that There are so many different topics we could cover with each graduate. Actually narrowing it down was really hard. And a lot of times it ends up being me saying, I was hoping you'd talk about this, but I also know you could talk about X, Y, Z. So just pick one of the four topics and and that will be great. Um, So in this podcast, we're going to cover things like bringing God into space of death and suffering. We're going to hear from Reb Jeff about what it was like to be the only man in a women's beat and drosh space. We're going to hear about um, motherhood and clergy. We're going to hear about founding a mikvah in the wake of a very traumatic kind of communal event. We're going to hear about interfaith work. We're going to hear about choosing positivity and life coaching. Um, We're going to hear from Rabbi Sara about 
how she's able to be patient and level-headed and kind of keep her cool when things are not cool around her. Um, that, was a, that was a particularly fun episode to record with Rabasara. We're going to hear about developing ritual. There's just a lot of really interesting topics. And I think beyond how interesting each topic is, each topic also allows the listener to get a better glimpse of the graduate. So uh, for, most, for most episodes, I start off by asking the person about their journey to the yeshiva. Um, sometimes that offers insight into that person's niche. For example, Rabbanit Alyssa started chaplaincy before she came to the yeshiva, so that's part of her journey there. Um, but Rabbi Jeff's journey to the yeshiva is obviously very different. So um, we, we talk about people's journeys to the yeshiva. We talk about we talk about motherhood. Sometimes we reminisce on like fun things that happened in the yeshiva. I want to like tease Maharat Ruth's episode where she talks about how she identifies with Amy Schumer because that was one of the more surprising things that came out. It's just small things like that where you realize, oh my gosh, these people are just so human. Like they're not the people I read about in articles. They're not just the person who gets up and gives a drasha, but they're real people who laugh and cry and, and you know have families. To me, that was really important, and it's it's the best thing that I can share with everyone. And how are we releasing this? We want binging, like bring on the binge. Exactly. So this is like, besides for, beside for how grateful I am that the yeshiva just let me do this project and trusted me with it. Um, at a certain point, I approached you, Jen, and I said, I have a really crazy idea. And I don't know that it's been done before. And if it has, I can't tell you if it was successful or not. But I want to do this as like a Netflix style season drop. Um, and again, I, I can't give you any data that it makes it more successful or less successful. I don't know. I just think that this could be really cool. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to do it is because this is, you know, this is how many people consume content at this point. Obviously, we are. This is the age of the binge. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's binge all the shows. I was thinking, like, if we're planning on releasing this anyway before Pesach, um, it's a time where people have time. They're cleaning, they're driving, you know, they're doing whatever. And so I wanted people to be able to not just listen to one episode, love it and want to hear more, but I wanted people to look at the episode list and say, like, mm, I'm not, not really in the place to, like, be talking about death and suffering right now. I want to talk about interfaith relationships or... I had a really tough day and am feeling overwhelmed as a mother. This episode is about motherhood and balancing career. Like those are just, I want people to be able to pick an episode and kind of have options when they're looking at it. So I do hope people binge it. I hope people listen and listen again. Um, and, you know, even if you don't binge it, I hope you just continue to use our, our library of content. Um, for, for whatever it is you're doing, going for a drive, going for a run, cleaning out your fridge, I don't know, whatever it is people do when they listen to podcasts. Well, I would also just say that, like, what's really cool about the way that this podcast has evolved, and also, like, your sort of MO in life, is the openness to speak to the people. So I would just invite our listeners also that if there's something that they really, if you really are like, why is this thing not on the list? I totally want to hear them talk about this then they could just reach out. The email address is maharatcast at yeshiva.maharat.org. Um, so if you would like send us an email, we'd just love to hear what you want to hear about because we are happy to keep producing. And the other thing is that um, on the Maharat website, 
many of our 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 graduates have spoken on other podcasts or have their own podcasts sharing you know partial related fila related you know their own stories and we do have that all accessible on the Marat website uploaded in our digital library if people want to search for it john yeah, who's going to listen to this podcast i think that young people should listen to this podcast old people should listen to this podcast middle-aged people should listen to this podcast moms dads children aunts uncles cousins wherever you are in life there's going to be something here that's going to speak to you and to your values and so that's what's really special i think about the way that we're dropping this as a as a full season at one time is exactly what you were saying before Reverini, that like if whatever you're in the mood for whatever speaks to you in the moment we hope to be able to answer to that and to speak to that so I think it's important for young people to really listen like I'm going to be playing episodes of this podcast for my own children because I want them to hear the voices of female leadership who are passionate about the work that they're doing. I'm going to send this podcast to my family members who aren't so familiar to my rat because I want this to be the vision of how they see this organization as human beings who are passionate and knowledgeable and thoughtful in their leadership. I'm going to send this to leaders in my community and beyond who I know who could use a little chizuk, who could use a little oomph from people who are so passionate and remind themselves of why they're doing this work in the first place. So I can't see anybody who shouldn't listen to this podcast. I agree. And I, I hope leaders and rabbis from other denominations and even religions listen to this podcast. And I really hope this kind of goes beyond gender, beyond denomination, beyond religion, because I think everyone has something to learn from our incredible graduates. Okay, and with that, we really hope you enjoy the season. Um, again, the email address is maharatcast at yeshivatmaharat.org. Reach out to us, subscribe to us like us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, share with your friends, write reviews, write reviews, just tell people you like this podcast. And even if you thought it was okay, give us five stars. Just do it. <laughs> Throw us a bone. It's COVID. We're working women. Throw us a bone. Give us five stars. Say this podcast changed your life. Best thing we can do for each other is just share out positivity and love. So let's do that with some reviews. How about that? Exactly. Exactly. We hope that you love it. We hope that you love it. Enjoy.